The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process and the home of Rescue Mead, which we will... Uh, is dog-related, we will describe later in the pod, and L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the pod today, oh boy, it's just it never just it's never normal, it's never good for too long. The Sixers get uh, beaten in Milwaukee, but even more importantly, Ben Simmons is injured, and it feels like, based on the Woj report, that it could be pretty significant. Um, and just right in time, the Sixers raise season ticket prices by 30% for the second consecutive year, just right right on brand. Uh, Al Horford doesn't look like he cares anymore. There's just, there's so much to talk about. Thank God we have some relationship advice and a good mailbag. Uh, flip the switch is on sale. It is, boy, they're going to need to flip it pretty fucking hard. So April 11th at Underground Arts, we'll do a live Ricky. We will watch uh, Sixers, Pelicans, and, um, and do some commentary. Uh, Sixers Adam will be there taking pictures with you with a giant driver's license because he'll be legal then. Uh, Eliza Hardy-Jones going to sing Imagine the Process, the original artist. Gina Randazzo is going to do her version of You Don't Fuck With Me, I Don't Fuck With You. She committed to that. She canceled another trip so she could do it. And uh, it's going to be a good time no matter whether the Sixers fucking suck or not. And it all benefits the Providence Animal Center encoded by kids. So we hope to see you there. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a sleepy and probably very unhappy Mike Levin. Morning, Mike. Oh, boy. Here can, we go. Can I, can I read you something? Start Please. off the pod? Please. <clears throat> Lastly, this letter will only speak to the part of the business that I am today steward of, the basketball team and its attendant operations. With Scott O'Neill running our business operations, you are in good hands. I can assure you that when your team is eventually ready, eventually able to compete deep into May, Scott will ably and efficiently separate the good people of the Delaware Valley from their wallets on your behalf. Worry not. Of course, you know who wrote that, right? Mm-hmm. That, so that was written by Sam Hinkie. It was in his resignation letter. And I, I want to talk about that in relation to Ben Simmons's uh, injury last night and the sort of controversy surrounding it. And I want to ask you a question at the end of it. So I want to tell you a story that I am relatively certain happened that was conveyed to me that I know of. When And I've told it on the pod before, but we have a lot of listeners in and out, so whatever. When the Sixers and Sam Hickey wanted to trade Michael Carter-Williams, 
it was right after season ticket packages had come out. And Michael Carter Williams was on the cover of it along with Nerlens, maybe? I forget who else was on it. I'm sure uh, it was a very nice brochure. Yes, it was a, it was a package. It was when they still sent out the, uh, the physical packages and he was on the cover of it. And days later was the trade deadline. And there was a trade call with Sam Hinkie, Scott O'Neill, and ownership in which before any trade happens, you have to get clearance from the owners. And they explained what the trade was and Scott O'Neill vehemently uh, disagreed with the trade. His biggest fear being public reaction, something to the effect of the city will melt down if they trade Michael Carter-Williams. Of course, you have to imagine that some part of it would be his initiative to put that very player on the season ticket packages that just went out, which of course was funny, but not a reason to not do the trade. Eventually, the Sixers decided to do the trade, which ended up being a very, very smart trade. Let me fast forward to right now. Earlier this week, season ticket packages went out to current season ticket holders. They represented a, for many people, and I, I don't know everyone because I think everyone got different increases depending on where you sit. But I can, con because the more expensive ones usually get bigger increases. But I can confirm to you that most mezzanine level ticket holders for the second consecutive year uh, received a 30% plus increase. For some people, it was 40% the first year, that was last year, and then around 20% this year. For many, it was above 30% for consecutive years. And that brings us to last night's game. It was a big game, national TV game. The Sixers are in play, are, you know, fighting for their playoff lives right now, right after people have to recommit for season tickets. And we hear early in the broadcast, and this is when Ben Simmons goes out of the game with the back injury from the sideline reporter who didn't seem to see exactly like what happened with Ben, like didn't see that. And that's not their fault or whatever, but it was what he said was important. What he said was, this is going to be the plan for Ben Simmons all night. When he comes out of the game, he's going to go back to the locker room and get treatment which seems a little crazy for a game in February with your 23-year-old star player, something that we've confronted before, right? With Joel Embiid going back into games, so on and so forth. I ask you, Mike, would you trust an organization that objected to a trade because of season ticket brochures and then allowed their player who was still in such shape with his back that he needed whether he got hurt again or not, to go get treatment during every um, time he sat on the bench, do you trust that those two things are not connected in any way? <laughs> I mean, that, they would that they would allow him to do that the same week in a big game on national TV, the same week that season ticket packages go out. <laughs> uh, I think there's probably more one-to-one -one comparisons, but um, it's certainly belies a, a an organizational ethos that those are the words I was thinking of that yep. left when Sam left of actually having the proper amount of patience and self-restraint restraint and um, longest view in the room longest view in the room is the way to put it uh, yeah. they you know how many times is this gonna happen like how many fucking times is this gonna happen Embiid has done this multiple times. This year. This year. 
Josh, even this year. Yeah, Josh yeah. Richardson had that where he came out and came back in and then was out for a while. Um, you could just keep going. There's so many. There's such a long list of of times the medical department has just like failed the team from like preventative to like just handling of injuries and all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't. I this is part of the. Uh, business that I don't really understand or have like yeah. a good handle on. I don't think the public does really at all in terms of like how, how what the like leadership like vacuum is in terms of like, okay, so who's who's at fault here? Is it is this right. like Brett just saying it's out of my hands if the doctors say play him, I play him? Or is this like it's a come down from uh, the front office or, or whatever? Uh, but it, it's happened – for an, enough times for enough years where you there's a problem uh consistently and maybe it is a, as deeply baked in as uh as the Scott O'Neill <laughs> ticket complaints were maybe yeah the I, same thing. I, you, yeah, you, you're as you were you were saying that actually the phrase organizational uh, ethos was in my head, the one that you used. I, it's not like I want to be very clear. It's not like I think they were like they made a call on Scott O'Neill's bat phone and were like, "All right, <laughs> Simmons looks like he's hurt. He can get through the game. I know season ticket packages went out. <laughs> what do we do?" It's not what I think, but I do think that. You know, everybody wants to blame the, oh, it's the doctors, it's the doctors. Well, they keep switching doctors, right? And there's doctors in and there's doctors out. And, you know, like even, even when they don't decide to change the head of it all, there are doctors that move on. And, and yet some, and these are all doctors who obviously once in a while you're going to get somebody who isn't as good as somebody else. But these are all doctors who are at the top of their field and they don't really make decisions. They don't say can or can't. That's not what they say. That's not up to doctors. It can't be up to doctors. It, all they can do is say, here's the situation, here's the injury, here are the risks, and then they move on. So while I'm not like keeping up for the doctors, what I am saying is, is this is bigger than that. Like that com- it comes from just an idea of like, what are we doing here? What are we trying to do here? And the thing that, and we're all, we're talking about this obviously with, we, we don't know what the results for the Ben Simmons MRI are. Just, we have the Woj, you know, report that it doesn't feel good. You know, it feels like even if it's a four to six week injury, even if that takes us to the end of the regular season, basically. Um, and it, it feels worse than that. So uh, I, I guess what I would say is, you know, like um, it, it just, it comes from a, what, a lot of times what, what people say is, look, they have a shot now. It means they have to go for it now throw all caution to the wind. You never know who's going to get injured, you know? And, and what, do, what people do when they say that is point to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson getting injured last year. But the truth is, is anybody can get injured also applies to you. You know, anything can happen also applies to you, which is why you need a plan for, for more than just this year. You know, the only time you should be going all in in that way is when your players are 
older and this might be your last chance. But otherwise, you sort of have to, you have to do both at the same time. And it's been a long time since they've done both at the same time. And you have to prepare yourself for what if that injury that makes it impossible for winning a championship happens to us this year? Are we still prepared for next year? You know, because we're talking about the two best players being 23 and 25. Are they still best prepared for next year? And what you can see when even one of, you know, Richardson, Simmons, uh, Embiid, Harris even go out is are they prepared beyond that? And the answer is like, obviously no. Ben Simmons goes out yesterday and all of a sudden the, the creators on the Sixers are Alec Burks and fucking... Howell Neto and Furkan Korkmaz and Shake Milton. <laughs> God bless all of those guys. We're not winning a championship that way. And obviously, they, they, it's unlikely they win a championship without Simmons. But um, but like you can be better off than they than they are. And it's because they 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 made such poor decisions leading up to this point. You know that that they're not in better shape when something like that happens. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, I've said before I like a lot of individual pieces of this team, but um, it's very clear and has been for some time that the way they're built is just very uh, shoddily crafted. If you have some sort of of like, uh, like steel beams of a building just sort of jutting out, sort of askew. That's not mm-hmm. the way you want to build a building. If you did, yeah. just decide, like, we're not going to have a bottom floor. That, it's tough. It's tough to have a building without a bottom floor. It's tough to have a basketball team without guards that can penetrate. Um, the two plays that Simmons did make last night I thought were very impressive of mm-hmm. him, like, finishing in the half court and around people and another example of how much better he's gotten. Um, and there's no doubt about that. Like, there's no doubt he's gotten better even through this year, Yeah, which I, I, I think that the the most amazing thing about both Simmons and Embiid is that we've seen both players improve through seasons, which is not doesn't usually happen, you know. Um, but we've now seen them both do that. Yeah, but I mean, then you look at the guys that are obviously depth is you know there. My issue if if all five, if all five guys are healthy and you're saying like all right, it's the playoffs. Give me like two or three guys that can play a little bit off the bench. I feel good. I feel good. Um, I wish that there was one of them was a more penetrating guard that can actually generate some stuff but uh, I think there's enough useful players on the bench where there will be there will be a hot hand or two here or there obviously you watch this team shoot sometimes and you, and you don't think that anyone could ever make a shot again but I, I do think that individually there are enough good players on the bench for, for good stuff to happen but then you look at the the main three guys around Simmons and Embiid and they've been bad for a while now um, yeah. Josh, see, we've sort of lost like what uh, productivity he has on the offensive end. He seems like he's kind of swimming a little bit. Um, Tobias comes and goes. Occasionally he gets hot like from the mid-range, and if there's a good opponent that he can just sort of bully or take advantage of his size, but he doesn't get to the line enough. Um, nice player, but $36 million a year is fucking of course, crazy. Of course, It's fucking um, crazy. And I think that he's even tried to add some more dribble drive to his game, and that's been nice, but it's just like what he, he just doesn't do it. Like what he does is is not, you know, it's like a better version of like the 
not the tail end of Carmelo's career, but like the downturn. <laughs> like that's well, the best version of it. Uh, it's almost like would they be sub- substantially worse with some stretch four chucker for twelve million a year? Like would the Sixers be any worse with Marcus Morris instead of Tobias Harris? Like n- n- demonstrably worse. And I, my guess would be no. They probably wouldn't be. I hate Marcus Morris, but I know. Well, that kind of, pick he's another. A, he's a, he's guy. an excellent yeah. year, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just that kind of guy. Yeah. And then Horford, who isn't good at anything right now. Um, yeah. And I get that. Moving to the bench, like he's, I'm sure he's being a good teammate about that, even if he's not grumbling a little bit, sure, uh, understandably so after the career he's had. Um, but he's not good at anything uh, right now. There's times when he's just wide open and there's just not a prayer that that shot's going in. And when he was on Boston, it was always going in. <laughs> it didn't matter where it was, it was those, those shots were going in against us. Uh, and, you know, this is the kind of misfortune Tobias Harris going from shooting, like, 42% from three to, like, 28% last year. Um, the kind of where this person used to be good, and now they're on our team, and, and now, they're, now they're not. Well, because we put them in all in positions to fail. Like, when, when, you look at, when you look at Harris's stats as power forward rather than... You know, like at, when he's playing without Horford, who is also a starter, or at least was signed to be, they're way better. You know, um, they, they've, they've just, they've done such a, a terrible job of asset management and, and putting a team together. And they, I remember we did a podcast about like big two or big three. And uh, like, it's one of the things where you can bet on talent, top end talent, if it's good enough. You know, even if it doesn't totally fit, if it's good enough. But, like, Tobias Harris and Al Horford are not top-endy enough to just say, yeah, I don't care if they don't fit, you know? Certainly, They're just good. Yeah, certainly yeah. not. You know, I, I, I'm maintaining the optimism that I promised uh, before <laughs> the All-Star break. Um, certainly not in the regular season. They're not. There is just the way that they play. There's just... Once once there's a once the switch gets flipped, which I will talk about that, mm-hmm. um, then maybe it's just you know everyone is giving maximum effort and they're a really hard team to score on and they're a really hard team to rebound against and blah blah blah. Um, but but yeah, there's this team. It's a poorly built team. It's a poorly built team that has enough high end talent if if Ben comes back healthy um, to beat anyone, but also lose to anyone. Um, doesn't feel like this is the year, but it feels like they could still like make make enough noise to where it's not like completely embarrassing. I don't know. Um, but it, it, uh, at this point, the thing that matters the most, like, look, they lost to the Bucks on the road uh, when their uh, second best player left five minutes in. That's fine. That's understandable. Everybody's lost to the Bucks by a substantial yeah. amount on the road. Um, I was impressed that they even stayed in the game in the first half. Uh, but the the problem is if if Ben's not here, if anyone is not a hundred percent, if you know, yeah, if Milwaukee plays the way they, in order for the Sixers to beat Milwaukee in a series, like a lot of things will have to go wrong for the Bucks, like just like a lot of things. And and yeah, they're, I- they're they're a good team. They do a bunch of things well. I think that they are. 
I think there's a lot of limited players in their team, but they, there's certainly a lot of guys that can hit shots. And there's certainly a lot of guys that know where they're supposed to be, that know what their role is, and that are it is maximized by the position that they're put in. Um, I think... I think Giannis pushes off on every single play. I think he travels on most plays. It's very frustrating, and I don't feel like we get the benefit of those calls. Um, and it's not like that third step is like, an, oh, he's on a fast break, like whatever, give him the third step. It's like that's the third step that allows him to create separation. It is like two steps and then an additional step that's like, oh, now he's dunking. It's like, well, that's it makes it easier if, you're, if you can, whatever, they, they lost anyway. Um, but I, I think a Sixers team that, was well, that is well-built around Simmons and Embiid with uh, that's playing at maximum capacity, um, I think can still beat this Milwaukee team. Um, but you look around and you think like, man, there's a bunch of guys that can't do stuff on this team now. It just feels it just feels wrong. And every time a shot goes up, you think it's gonna miss. And, yeah. Uh, and they get stuck in the mud and. And Milwaukee just hit like a ton of tough shots last night. Even, even in that first half, when when they were they were the better team, but they were still like, you know, fucking, Connaughton hits a fadeaway three at the at the buzzer of the shot clock. And but they have shot makers. Yeah, like, and, like they, Brooke they, Lopez hits like a contested baseline leaner that had to go like around the backboard. And there's like a ton of shots where you're like, what's happening? But like it just doesn't feel like we make those shots. Right. Hey, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Is brought to you by the Colony Meadery. Mead is gluten-free alcohol made from honey. Comes in two ways, really. In a can, that's the session mead, um, which is a lower alcohol, more like beer or something. And then there's the regular mead, which comes in a bottle, which is more like 12 or 13%. But here's the important thing, Mike. We have a very special Colony Meadery mead coming out. At that point, you go, what is it, Spike? As if you didn't know. Spike. Yes. Tell me what it is. All right. Here's what it is. It's called Rescue Mead. So uh, what we did was we stole this idea from this brewery somewhere else. I forget where it was. I'll give them credit at some other place. And we took shelter dogs and one cat that have been at the shelter for a long time and uh, need a home desperately from the Providence Animal Center and Brandywine SPCA, four animals from each, and we put them on the cans. Um, so it's called Rescue Mead. It will come out on March 16th online. So you'll be able to go to colonymeadery.com and order online. And then we'll have a release at the Colony Meadery uh, Allentown location on March 20th. And I'll go up there and I'll bring Rebel. But um, it is to raise awareness for those two great shelters um, and the, the dogs and the cats. Wait till you see the cans. I'll put them on Instagram today. Um, but we thought it was such a good idea we had to steal it. So there are only going to be two, 200 cases. And um, hilariously, the first 76 purchasers of a case get a poster of the art signed by um, one of the dogs of the Colony Meadery team or Rebel. We'll get Rebel to sign a few posters as well. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a really good thing that the cans turned out awesome. Again, I'll put them on Instagram today. Um, I thank Colony Meadery for, they asked me, they wanted to do a, another Lick Face volume, you know, around playoff time. And I said, hey, I saw this idea. Would you guys want to do it? And they said, yes, right away. So it's neat to see the, uh, the dogs and cats on the cans. And like they are heavily featured. It's not like it's in the corner or something. So thanks also to Providence Animal Center and uh, Brandywine SPCA for, um, for playing along. 
Again, meat is awesome. It is uh, a good, I, I was telling the guys the other day, People who are gluten-free have so few options when they're drinking, uh, especially if they like, if they don't want to drink like hard liquor or something, if they just want to drink, like if they're used to drinking beer or something, the, the mead is perfect. All the different flavors, perfect, um, 100% gluten-free, perfect. I, I urge you, if you are, or if you want something different, give them a try. They're available at all of the Wegmans in uh, Eastern PA and a bunch of places in Philly, Beer Love, um, Iron Abbey, uh, um, you know, uh, what else? Uh, the Foodery. Um, so, or just order online. Go to colonymeadery.com and use code Ricky for $5 off. That is colonymeadery.com. Use code Ricky for five bucks off. Again, we'll warn you again, but uh, Rescue Mead comes out March 16th online and then March 20th at the tap room. You can join us up there. Say hi to Rebel. Get yourself some Rescue Mead up there. Uh, must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the Ricky. I, I forget. Man, I don't think it was Rich. Maybe it was Kyle. Somebody made a comment last night, two things about the difference between the the Bucks and the Sixers right now. One was the Sixers have to play their best to beat Milwaukee, and Milwaukee just has to play like Milwaukee to beat the Sixers. I forget who said that, but I thought that was right. And then the other thing was uh, Godner uh, in The Athletic today wrote a— a, a good piece about the Simmons injury and like where to go from here and roster construction. But he ended it with sort of like, but let's be honest about this. Even with Simmons healthy, he goes, since the statement game on Christmas, the Bucks are 21 and three with a point differential of 11 and a half. And the Sixers are 12 and 12 with a point differential of minus two. Like, let's all look at each other honestly and realize that there's these two teams are on significantly different levels right now. Sure. Like, you know, just different levels. And I think both of those things are true. Now, whether that translates to the playoffs with the Bucks, you know, I've said a million times, I, I, I do think that it, um, it, there are, are things that I think will be tough for them. But when Giannis is doing what he did last night, which is what we want Ben to do all the time, just barrel towards the basket. But Giannis outweighs him by like 30 pounds and he's, two inches taller. And it just seems when he is like that, it's pretty tough to win. You know, it, it is pretty tough to win. Um, you made, you made your comment about being positive. I, I feel like I have to read you the, the Apple podcast review, which is uh, brought to you by kinetic skateboarding. Mike, they have, so they get these shoes that nobody else gets that they sometimes have to do raffles to buy They're They have these tra Nike Travis Scott dunk lows, which are fucking awesome. Um, they have leather on them, so I won't get them, but they're really cool. Anyway, uh, you, you have to enter a raffle to actually buy them. They're on the Kinetic Skateboarding website right now, but that's where you got to get all your stuff. Get your, your sneakers, your hoodies from Kinetic, uh, kineticskateboarding.com. Code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Subject line of today's review is Mike is insane. Spike, you're great, but Mike is the reason I stay. I'm a grown man with zero emotional stability and allow this team to genuinely affect my life. Mike can spew hatred for two months about the very real issues with the Sixers and then win over the Clippers at home as his claiming the team is, quote, the highest ceiling in the league and that Furkan Korkmaz had an amazing game that opened the floor up for the entire team with zero points, zero assists, and one rebound in 21 minutes. Stand by it. This is, this is the kind of lunacy I relate to. Keep it up, guys. So congrats, Mike. So, do you think that, that if Ben's out for a while, uh, 
say he's out for two months, which yep. means like come back. Yeah, let, right, let's go right to that. Right yep. around the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like they would have to cut Kyle O'Quinn and try to sign like, you know, your boy Tyler Johnson or somebody else that's hanging around on a 10-day that can bring the ball up the floor and get to the basket. Do you mean it's because they have no guards or wings? I think that would probably be a, a good, they have some a good guard, decision. They have some guards and wings. They just don't have guys that you're, you know. I think Neto is here and there. I, I think I, I would be totally fine with, with you know, if, if Simmons is out for a while, I'd be totally fine with Neto starting and just being like, yeah, so, just be like, so Simmons out. Three and like penetrate and just like hang in there. And if, you, and if teams start to pick on him on defense, then like, Fine. I mean, we. How many times have we picked on little guards in the post? And you're like, it's fine. It's it's not excellent. It's not like the best way to generate offense if they're forcing it into Neto. You know, just have him like take it personally and stuff, and and maybe he gets some stops. And if if they're taking like contested twos and stuff, then fine. I don't know. It's it seems like you could you could do worse, and then add a add a bench player and let let Burks run the second unit with with uh, Korkmaz and Shake and all that stuff. Yeah, so that was the question I was gonna I was gonna ask because the game last night I'm not we we, we talked about it a little bit I don't, I don't know there's a ton to talk about in it but I, I think the real question is what do they do if if Simmons is out for an extended period of time so you would start Neto and then not start Horford you wouldn't put Horford back in the starting lineup no no okay no. so even if it was what would it be it would be Neto, Josh, Robinson, uh, oh, right. Tobias Embiid with okay. uh, the bench, you know, main five, I guess, being uh, Shake, Burks, Korkmaz, Matisse, Horford. With yeah, I, I don't think they can Mike start. Scott. I don't think they can start Burks because he doesn't do enough for others. He was actually terrible last night. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's got to be Neto. I agree with you. Um, I, I thought a little bit about the... Embiid Horford stuff last night. Like, well, if they have a, but but it doesn't really help them too much, and yeah. they they don't have any creation on the court at all. The, so I think it's stat, got the stat that that Vodner, I think it was Derek that said on Twitter that uh, that three, I think in the third quarter that Horford hit was only Horford's tenth three with Embiid on the court. Yeah, which yeah. is deeply hard to do. Yeah, well. Well, and I, I would say that a, maj- a majority of the Horford and Bede minutes have also come with Ben on the floor too, which is not nothing, but yeah. Is, but ben, is certainly... ben has created, as Kirk Goldsberry tweeted, ben, ben has created like the most threes for his Off teammates than anyone in the league since he came into the league. Right, but don't you think that part of that is because most people who are point guards are shooting six to ten threes a game, and he is not? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's, yeah. A, it's part of it that he's not taking those yeah. shots, but um, it's still very good, and the, yeah. the, that that can be true. And Horford can have only made ten threes on the court with Embiid this season is mind-boggling. So, um, what do you think? So they have twenty-five games left. Let's say. And B, let's say Simmons doesn't play in any of them. What do you think the, the best possible outcome, realistic outcome, with like the third easiest schedule in the league is with winning those games? Like how many do you think they win if he doesn't play? Uh, I think they can still get by. I think they have 18? Eno- sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think I think it's an easy schedule. They have one of the easiest schedules remaining, especially now that the Bucks game's out of the way. Um, they only have two, like, very hard road games, and that's they're both L.A. games. Um, and I think Embiid will, the same way that Simmons took it upon himself when Embiid's out, I think M- Embiid takes it upon himself when Simmons is out. And oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, I meant to just hit my thing that I, I wanted to say something. Go ahead, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that they, they will gel and look fine and be able to beat some bad teams and be able to win games at home because that's what they do. And Josh can take it upon himself to be like, you know, the defensive stopper. Tobias will, will own a little bit more. Maybe we'll see his defensive improvements that he showed earlier in the season. Um, Burks and Robinson will work their way in. I think Shake deserves minutes on this team. Korkmaz is, you know, I think there's just as as good as Simmons is, and as uh, as much as he like makes this team go on both ends of the court, there is also some benefit to just having another shooter out there. And so we can see what you know, maybe guys with when they take more shots or when there's more spacing or whatever it is, you you get a you get a chance at doing more stuff. But I don't think it's good in the long run. I don't think it's I don't think the team is better without Simmons by any stretch of the imagination. But maybe over maybe with an easiest schedule, uh, with you know enough time to sort of get settled and situated with like what the reality is without him, I think it it might not be as 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 disastrous in the regular season as possible. Now, if he's not here for, I mean, I'm saying like they'll be able to you know, get by. tread water at at the four or yeah. five seed um, and be fine-ish. Um, but it all depends on how long Ben's out and if they, if they you know, cut Kylo Quinn and get, like, somebody else on a 10-day or just uh, come to terms with Trevor uh, Tyler Johnson on the buyout. So, and maybe get some Shayok minutes in there. Could someone that is a oh, shooter running around. I don't know. Just give it anything. It, it really feels like... I mean, Shake looked good, and Korkmaz looked okay last night. Um, I liked Korkmaz some of the stuff he was doing off the dribble. There's just a, there's a comfort to both guys, and obviously they're not like elite penetrators, but there's a there's a comfort to both guys, like with the ball in their hands, of of like playing at their own pace and being. And, and I think part of that is that teams respect their shot, um, and there's so many guys the Sixers have that teams like don't respect their shot of guys that are going to pull up from wherever. Um, so I just think both guys should play. Um, but it'd be nice to have a guy that can, in addition to Korkmaz, can run around some screens and and just like hit off the catch, which we don't have that many of those that can do. One other injury thing from last night. So Tobias Harris comes down and like lands funny on his knee. Yeah. And I tweeted like, so most ACL injuries are non-contact. They're like, you land weird, it pushes the wrong way. Meniscus injuries sort of the same way. So he grabs his knee, he comes out of the game for a second, he comes back in, and then late in the game, he's definitely favoring his knee. It brought me back to two terrible examples. And also, by the way, just thinking about this team this year. First was my, my famous, why they put Tony Roten back in the game like four years ago against Brooklyn. And it ended up like, in part, really hurting his career because he ended up with uh, a knee issue, had to have surgery, and was never the, sa- the same after that. And then, of course, Embiid, who they denied ha- had any injury, kept practicing him, kept playing him until Derek reports out that he has a meniscus injury. I would just 
I'm not saying that I, I, I certainly don't know what happened with Tobias Harris, but I would have fucking sat him down too, given the way that he was moving out there. Yeah, it looks like you he know? just like, tweaked it. Maybe it's a little... A it's little. hard to tell, though. You know what I mean? Like, Could maybe he just... Tw- you know? Yeah. That would feel yeah. nice and warm, safe by the fire. Yeah. Another our 17th meniscus torn. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, in a game, that's, that's for me the most infuriating thing of like, hey, you know you're losing this game. You know it's going to happen. There's not a chance it's, gonna, it's coming down. Just, just take him out. Like, you already lost Ben. Just let's just say like, hey, it's not worth it. We're, we have three games in four days coming up. Like, we need you healthy. Let's just make sure, play some other guys, let Mike Scott miss 17 more threes. Like, it's fine. And, and it just seems like the Sixers... Whether it's Brett or he's got a lot on his plate, so his assistants are got to be like someone's like, hey, he's not look, he doesn't look good, he doesn't look right. Like let's just let's let's take him and and get him in the locker room. Like I, it just seems like they're they're not ever really forward thinking about any of that no. stuff. There's never like precaution taken anymore. And and with like, you know, when Embiid and Simmons were young. It was all that. It was like, hey, they're going to sit the year. And back when it didn't matter, it was like, yeah, we can, we can be patient. But when it does matter now, everyone's just like, everyone's asshole is so tightly clenched yep. that they're just like, we have to do it all. And nothing is, uh, it seems like the decision-making apparatus in this team is just, it's just fucked. And I, 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 I have trouble disagreeing with the idea that if the Sixers do what they probably will do, which is maybe skate by in the first round, Sneak through in like six or seven games, um, and then lose to the Bucks in five. Then, I th- I think I think there's a chance that th- things d- don't end up that way, but I think that's probably very likely. Then I think you should be like, all right, we got to make some changes, and that should that should include everyone in the front office and coaching staff. Like it's just like we yeah. need to just like yeah. just clean house. Just well, be like, all right, this we have this, we have these guys. Let's just start fresh. And f- and then have somebody come somebody come in here for the long haul that'll trade, Hor- like attach a pick or whatever with Horford to to move on. I don't know. They 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 kept Brian Colangelo's whole staff. They they need to fire the entire front office after the year. They have to. They have to. I don't care if they get to the finals. That includes, or not. That includes they, Brett though, right? For you. Uh well you, sure yeah I mean I mean like I, I think he's collateral damage to a certain extent. That's what it feels but, like. But yeah, but but like but yes, like sometimes. It's never pretty. So, you know, sometimes you you need to, um, uh, sometimes like uh, good people get punished for when bad people do bad things. And they kept Brian Colangelo's entire staff because they felt like they had such good energy from them or something. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. And there are people in that front office, I'm not talking about Alton right now, there are people in that front office who have like, the wrong priority list. They're just, their priorities are wrong. And I hope the team, I hope the owners sell the team. I I really hope the owners sell the team. At one point, I thought they were, I've said a million times, I thought that they were going to try to get a venue, like an arena. And I I don't think that's, I think that's going to be a tougher putt than they thought. And I I think they'll sell within the next two or three years. But just sell fucking now. The Forbes thing just came out. It's worth $2 billion. Even if that's not a real valuation because you don't own the arena, you pay Two hundred fifty million dollars for it. Sell it for one point seven billion. Sell it to fucking someone else. Yeah. Sell the team. Yeah. Sell the team. That's it's, a huge. It's more, it's profit. more trouble than it's worth. Go buy an island or like yes. a series of sweatshops. Like just, 
It's There's fun. no podcast about your island. We're not going to talk. It's so much easier without us. I will call it's, you a fuckface once in a while as a, as a remembrance to the fun we used to have. And yes, that's, that's it. it. That is it. These fucking people, man. Just f- get out of here. Just get out of here. And take Scott with you. Um, all right. Uh, we have some good mailbag questions, but it's been a while since we did relationship advice. And in honor of Eliza Hardy-Jones appearing at Flip the Switch on sale now, writes to rickysanchez.com, she will be singing Imagine. And she is the singer of our relationship advice music. Mike, I, I want to go to you for Brian Colangelo relationship advice. I keep my heart under my pillow with my teeth and other lies. I've been waiting on your halo just to shine the light. Just to shine the light. So this comes from Dan in DC. Hey, Spike and Mike, first time, long time. I recently joined my local gay basketball league and began sort of talking to a guy on one of the other teams. While we were talking basketball, I referred to myself as a three and D guy. He, being competitive as I am, called me the enemy for the time being, but said that if I held him to 12 points or less when we play each other, we'd go out for dinner. My question is, Do I go full-blown Matisse slash Ben absolute menace on the defensive mode to win the bet or let him get his 18 or 20 points and be the nice guy? P.S. He's a Heat fan, so if this doesn't work, I'm blaming Jimmy Butler anyway. Wow. I love this. Yeah. This is great. Uh, I don't know how my basketball game would would change if I was playing someone that I wanted to date. Right. Um, I've only made one business decision in... (laughs) Uh, basketball in my life, and I was not playing uh, in a game with uh, a popular showrunner of of uh, network comedies, and uh, and he, we had gotten invited. My writing partner and I got invited to the game we played, and um, there was a loose ball on the ground, and I was about to dive for it, and then I saw his knees, and I decided, no, I'm not going to do it, and I didn't do it, and that was the only time I made the right decision in my life. Um, so I, but I, so I get the instinct, at least in some level, to, to undo that. But I think my gut says Matisse level without Matisse and Ben level, but not like Marcus Smart level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like try yeah. to get like tr- play hard, get get in those passing lanes. You know, slide those feet. But I would say don't get it to the point where you're like going to start to fight in a way. Yeah. In a way. Uh, so play hard enough, but not maybe not like. Uh, Overly physical, it'd be my guess, because you want it to end well. And even if you stop, even if he doesn't score twelve points, and you can say, "Hey, let's go out," you know, that's my feeling. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I sort of think you want to make it look like you're shaving points, but nobody notices. You know, like you, you want to show effort, but maybe even with that effort, let him get by you once or twice. Nah, you want to win. I, you want to win, especially because he's a fucking Heat fan. You want to win. Uh, and you want to win, and then say, "Let's go out anyway." Well. Because truthfully, do you really want to date anyone who uh, who doesn't want you to give your best while playing basketball? I don't. Come on, I wouldn't want to date anyone. Yeah, for like sure. So. Uh, I want to. I want there to be like a live stream of this game. I really want to watch it. <laughs> I, well, I, we, will we watch, def- I will watch this gay basketball league over <laughs> Sixers road games. Oh, yeah, I'd watch them over all the games actually. All right, uh, well, let's go to the mailbag then. Um, 
Uh, send us mailbag questions to writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. This came in late, but it came in from AU. So if there's a Writes Ricky Sanchez staff member who sends in a question, and he sent it to me, and I thought to myself, ugh, I've been avoiding talking about this, and it actually has nothing to do with the Sixers. But since it came from AU, and I think it is sort of interesting, I will, uh, I will read it. So... This comes from AU, 8.42 a.m. If you're still looking for pod questions, I'd be legitimately curious to hear you talk about your Michael Vick feelings now uh, now as such a dog guy. If you watch the 30 for 30, if you feel different about him now than you did in 2010, et cetera. Um, it is interesting because I have tried to resolve this in a lot of different ways over the last couple of years as my relationship with not just dogs, but animals has changed a lot. And I think the most interesting part is that I've had interactions with Michael Vick that have all been like incredibly positive, you know, through work um, and through the team. And I've interviewed him before. And like I've said a million times of all the people I've interviewed, I've never been in the same, like, I've never talked to somebody that had the same sort of magnetism and charm that Michael Vick did. I interviewed him around a, the Eagles used to do this thing where they would rebuild a, a uh, like a, an inner city schools playground and the players would come and help paint it and stuff like that. And I interviewed Vic and it was before he was even the starter. And there were kids around him looking at him like you would imagine that kids looked at Michael Jordan at one point, like he's just got this thing. And I honestly believe in all of the, the, the times that I've dealt with him and when, when I've heard him talk and things like that, like I believe that he regrets what he did and I believe that he's a different person all of those things. And I believe in, in, um, in, you know, changing your life for the better. I believe in, in being able to, um, put those things behind you and, and all those things. And on top of that, I also am aware, um, because of friends I had when I was younger, that dogfighting in general is just, it happens in some communities and it is not really thought of as anything. And when you look at Animal, the way that uh, different cultures treat animals, you know, there are some cultures where uh, cats are are revered, and there's somewhere that nobody cares. And same with cows, same with dogs, all that. So understanding all of that. That said, I think there is some separation between what people think happened with Michael Vick and what actually happened with Michael Vick. And I think all that it takes is to look at something like when. With, uh, with domestic violence. Like when you just hear about it, it's one thing, but when there's a Ray Rice video, all of a sudden it's way more serious and that guy never gets in the league again, you know? Um, when you see it, it's different. And when you read about what Michael Vick and the people he was with did, it's like horrifying. You know, it's, it's electrocuting dogs. It's slamming their bodies against the ground and killing them that way, like beating them until they're dead just because they didn't fight well enough. Um, it's giving dogs like basically PEDs so they would fight better and kill the other dogs. It's hanging them on like on rods in the middle of a, a yard um, because they lost and they weren't good enough at fighting. And those things are like crush me. You know, and it's, it's all come from my dog, you know, like it's my, the reason I'm vegan is because of my dog It's because I look at my dog and I just think I can't do that anymore. And I don't make any judgments on anybody else as far as eating meat, whatever, but it, it has changed me in a way. And, um, I, I do think it's possible to think that somebody deserves forgiveness 
and somebody deserves another chance at life and also think, I, I don't know, I couldn't look that person in the eye the same way, you know? And I, I think that's where I am with it. And I, I think it all came to a head when he was made the captain of the Pro Bowl and, um, and there were people objecting to it. And then the people that weren't objecting were like, well, hey, he deserves another chance at life. And he does, yeah, absolutely. But he, it also doesn't mean that you have to be okay with him getting everything that he wants. And he doesn't, doesn't have to be honored either, you know? So, um, so I, don't, I don't have any, uh, I, like I would not rally against him. Um, I had, a, after all this happened and I thought about it and it became a dog guy. I was a huge Michael Vick fan when he was on the Falcons. Like I got rid of my jersey. I didn't want it in my closet anymore. I, I think I would probably have a hard time um, like being friends with him or something. Not that that's an option, but, uh, but I do give him credit for um, turning his life around the way that he did. And by the way, the people that say he paid the price, and I know this is all sort of like logistics, but he never did any time for hurting dogs. Like he did time for federal tax evasion. Like that's, that's why he, and sometimes like with mob members, that's what they do. They get you on something they can do you, but that's not why he, he went to prison. So it's a long answer. Any thoughts? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I, I, I like dogs, but I think people, I think society generally gives, uh, gives people second chances, gives men second chances when it's about, you know, when it's, abusive towards women than like a lot of other things when they like lied or cheated or uh, I don't know there's not that many examples of this kind of like dog abuse Michael Vick is obviously like the main uh, the biggest example of it but um, I think it's I think we as a society have have a, a tough time reckoning with the idea of like okay so what is the purpose of of prison and if they're actually going to prison for it like do we need prisons and if and if we say we do need prisons then like once people have done their time and uh paid their debt to society like when they come out like should they be then say like okay like let, let's welcome them back in but it's it's all it's all just like very fucked up like the criminal justice system is, is horrendous um and the way we talk about it i think is is very wrong um because it should be like a rehabilitation and so it seems like for michael vick it seems like he you know, even if he was there for tax evasion, it seems like he took it seriously and, and uh, you know, changed in a, in a real way and, and is now vocal about, seemingly vocal about, like, the mistakes he made and, and trying to get uh, future generations to, like, not make the same mistakes he did. So that's what you want. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the ideal situation of the current uh, way that things are. But uh, I, don't, I don't know that the way things are is the, is the right way either. That's fair. The Right Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by our friend, original sponsor of the Ricky, L.L. Pavorsky of L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. I think you, you take the wins and losses very emotionally. Uh, and, and I think I sort of feel like L.L. does too. I, sometimes I look at his Twitter and I realize he's a business owner and a jeweler, not a business owner within basketball. And I feel like maybe he should settle down every once in a while. Do you ever feel the same thing? I feel like everyone should settle down all the time, especially me. But, you know, <laughs> what can we do? It's yeah. who we are. It really is who we are. LL, we're talking about a guy who has made a diamond TTP ring for the lottery party, has provided engagement rings for a... Uh, 
a, uh, a lottery party engagement. By the way, I'm ready to say this. The couple that got engaged at the lottery party, um, Alan and Chandler, are not engaged anymore. That's like, look, unless Instagram is a complete lie, which I don't believe it is. Um, look, this, you know, sometimes things happen. I, I don't blame them. It happened. But uh, LL's ring did not <laughs> did not do the trick for that one. Damn. Though we do wish that, that Alan feels, and Ch- It feels very, uh, like, Foltzian. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't it. And we wish them both uh, tons of happiness, um, Alan and Chandler. But the the couple that did get married at the lottery party with LL rings, they are still together. And who knows how many of the 167 rings sold by LL to Wright Stricky Sanchez customers. Also, he sold them the ring of the couple, and they're still they're waiting to get married, and they're still very happy. I saw them in Indianapolis, the ones who got engaged on the court in uh, in Minneapolis. There's no way that we would have never guessed that um, something, things like that would happen. But there's no way 10 years ago, if you had told LL that the core of his business would be this stupid shit, there's just no way. There's yeah. no way. If you want to buy an engagement ring, he's your guy. You can't go to anyone else. That's the rule about the Ricky. If you listen to Ricky, you can't go to anyone else. Make an appointment before you go over there so he can be prepared. You don't have to, but it's more productive. 215-627-2252. Tweet at him, at LL Pavorsky. I'm going to tell him his DMs should be open. Um, check to see if his DMs are open. I don't know if they are. And, or you can just email him. Go to uh, llpavorsky.com. Stores at 707 Walnut. For every pod, LL, what a charitable version of the Ricky this is today. Makes donations to Coded by Kids and Providence Animal Center, who will both be at, um, at Flip the Switch, collecting money from you so they can, um, so they can you know, run their charities. Uh, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Marriage not guaranteed. <laughs> now back to the Ricky. Uh, next question. This comes from Marty, longtime uh, Ricky community member, Marty Teller, and, uh, and deep trade machine friend of Sixers Adam. I believe he's, in a lot of ways, the man behind the man with Sixers Adam. Uh, what should the appropriate response be from fans whose season ticket prices went up for the second consecutive season? Two years ago, our cost per seat was $23. Next year, it will be $43. I'm pretty immune to corporate greed at this point, but even this seems a bit much to me. We go to Ticket Corner, season tickets yep. at Spike Eskin. Here we go. Well, I got to, you know, the, the season ticket holders spent a lot of money. Um, they are, you know, I, I know you for some reason it, it I know it doesn't affect you, but I think I think they are they're the the hard the hardest core of hardcore customers as long as we're not talking about you know companies that own them. So my season ticket rep called me and I actually felt bad for him that he had to make the call because he called me like three hours before I was gonna get the email telling me that my season tickets my season ticket prices are basically doubled from two years ago as well. And I said to him, <laughs> I said, uh, you guys are not who you think you are. And I said, you haven't earned this. And I said, you guys look around at each other and see an organization and you see it one way. But I said, but everybody else sees it another way. And I said, like, you're probably going to win fewer games this year than you won the year before. And you won fewer games last year than you won before that. I said, you, you haven't advanced further in the playoffs than you did two years ago. And no one's having fun this year. Everybody thinks the team is worse. I said, this is not the time to raise tickets. And I said, I know it's not your fault, but it's, it's like, I think it's sort of disgusting. And his response, I know, and I know these guys are given those talking points is he said, well, we're still cheaper than similar markets. And I was like, okay, like who? And he said, Brooklyn, 
<laughs> it's not a similar market. It's fucking New York. Everything is triple the price in New York than it is here. And he said, Washington. And I said, well, that venue, that stadium is empty all the time. And he said, right. And he said, and their prices are higher. And I said, right, you should pay attention to that. <laughs> that <laughs> I was like, that's the problem. You guys just going is back they, and forth and saying, right, to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 just goes back to the Scott O'Neill quote. They, they have they have no. They charge people to be on a waiting list for tickets. Let's let's. We were talking about an organization that charges people to be on the waiting list for tickets, and also says that every game is sold out, but sells big blocks of tickets to ticket resellers so they can do that. Like, be do not be confused. There are ticket resellers in the market and out of market who buy huge blocks of tickets so the Sixers can say that they're they're sold out every game. They're not actually sold out every game. It's different. So I think it's dumb and fucked up and I wouldn't blame anybody. And remember to resell them, if you're reselling them on StubHub, the Sixers are getting a piece of that sale as well. Um, and they're so expensive nowadays, you have to resell a bunch of them just to be able to afford them. Um, and that they're getting all of your information too. So remember that they know exactly how much you sold them for. So, I mean, it sucks. I don't think they've earned it. They definitely have they, No. This comes from, wait, let me scroll ahead. Um, hmm. I'll give you some names you pick. Do you want Brian? Do you want Laura? Or do you want Jay? What am I going to say? You're going to say Laura. That's right. Here we go. <laughs> hey, Spike and Mike, if we end up trading Al in the offseason, do you think we could slash would keep Josh around? I feel like in the beginning of the season, when we still didn't know how Al would fit, everyone assumed it would be impossible to keep Josh once his current contract ends. While I feel pretty terrible about the whole Al, how the whole Al thing has gone, I'm obsessed with Josh now, and I really want to keep him. What's your, your thoughts on Josh and, and the ability to keep him? I think that's interesting. Um, Josh is certainly going to get a bigger contract when his contract ends after um, next season. Um, so I wonder. I mean, he's going to be expiring after this season. So I, I wonder if the if someone will value his bird rights enough to want to take him on with Al. I'm not sure. Um, I think ultimately he's going to be an expiring contract, and and he'll just play play out the string with us, and then go sign somewhere else after after it's over. Um, I think that if you're looking for if you're like if you're a bad team, whatever. Sacramento or wherever, and you want to be like, we need a, we need, we're fine taking on Horford's contract, but you got to give us some sweeteners. I think it'll be a pick, and something like, you know, Matisse or Zaire. Yeah, the the shame of the Horford thing is, I still believe he can play, and I believe that uh, in without surrounding uh, circumstances, I believe you could find a trade partner where you wouldn't have to you know, overpay to get rid of him. But it's so obvious now that they have to, that once again, for the 75th straight time, the Sixers have <laughs> shown the league that they have no choice and they're they're going to have to fucking do it. The best way to make a uh, trade, I think, is tying yourself up and releasing a hostage video of yourself. <laughs> uh, this will give you two more questions. Um, this is from Summers. 
Felt like I've been living in denial since I first saw a tweet comparing the Sixers to last year's Celtics. Feels like it's time to pull back the facade and accept that this Murphy's Law season for what it is. It feels like the season will end with the Sixers not only realizing how off base they were in their team building philosophy. By the way, good article from our very own Sixers Adam on rights to rickysanchez.com about last summer's decisions. I would go and read that in normal column. But about that several teams in the East did a far more effective job with fewer assets at their disposal of putting together a contender. With that in mind, which one of these outcomes were you could, would you prefer if you could guarantee one? A, Sixers advance to Eastern Conference Finals. B, first round exit, but ownership completely cleans house, entire front office, Colangelo holdovers included, and coaching staff. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Uh, definitely the first one. You would take Eastern Conference Finals? Absolutely. And no, no clean house? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I wouldn't at all. I, w- I want positive momentum. I want them to go as far as they can. I don't think a first-round exit, even if it results in cleaning house, will make like Embiid and Simmons like happy. I want them to yeah. succeed, and succeeding means getting as far as they can. By the way, the end of his email was, huge fan of the pod, pod, too frustrated to listen after losses, so I'll just assume you chose my question. <laughs> That's great. That's, <laughs> Which is great. That's really the perfect, yeah. the perfect question. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. This one is from Brian. Two-part question. Before Simmons was hurt, this team did not look like a title contender. Now it looks like he may miss some time. As this team is extremely low on assets, is it time to tank so we can get the OKC pick? <laughs> a team is built from top to bottom. Ownership, front office, coach, players. What percentage of blame do you place on each of the above for this team's failures? First question, should we tank to get the Thunder pick? By the way, the Thunder have a better record than the Sixers right now. No, so. uh, we're one game better. <laughs> oh, we are? Yeah, we're ha- half a game. One game in the win card. Oh, okay, all right, half So if we, if, if we lose... If the Thunder beat us a little bit, then, then we get that pick. Just The Thunder yeah. are currently outpacing Indiana and Dallas, um, and they just need to get past one more person, one more team to get uh, the, to lose those protections outside of the top 20. They're right now at 20. And so we are the next team up. <laughs> so uh, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I am, I've always been a fan of... Uh, future picks conveying than the Sixers themselves, so I'm I'm ready to to go all uh, full bore in that direction. And then percentage blame, ownership, front office, coach, players. Um, I mean, every, everybody. I've done this all the time. All the time. I don't think you can like clock it out. I think that right. Brett should be should have. Should be doing a better job of getting these guys whatever ready for road games. The players should themselves should take ownership of that. Um, their Brett should have probably moved Horford to the bench sooner, or tried different things sooner, or tried to make it work in some different way. But his options are limited because he has limited penetrating abilities and uh, inconsistent shooting. And everyone making the decision is holdover from the previous regime, which is ownership's decision, and they're crazy. Yeah, everything comes down to ownership. It does. Like, front office is the ones fucking it up, but it's ownership that picked the front office. Like, it just, it comes down to ownership. It comes down to, everything comes down to ownership. 90% ownership, 10% everybody else, because everybody else is part of ownership. I just... What percentage is it your ticket rep's fault? Oh, poor guy. I I felt bad yelling at him, but I couldn't stop. And by the way, I wasn't yelling. I was just smugly talking. Does he know... (laughs) 
Like, does he know who you are and that you have a podcast? He calls me Brett, so I don't know. Huh. Like, that's the name on my thing. I, I, I sort of seem like, feel like there's no possible way that a season ticket rep could not know the context. I th- and I, I think, I some think people I've, are dumb, man. I think some people Well, I've are talked dumb. to him. I, I think talk. I've talked to him about it before. I think he's, I just, think he's when just at he, work and he's just like, all right, I'm calling people for the Sixers. And like, yeah. there's some people that might not be, you know, as like, you know, aware of the community at large. Yeah. And and by the way, I give him credit. He he didn't like get annoyed with me or anything and let me beat on him. And how many he must have had to make 500 calls, you know, on Wednesday or whenever it was. Finally, this comes from Jay. Um, it's not even a question. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm watching the Sixers Bucks on delay currently at seven minutes left in the second quarter. Um just wanted to say it's such a pleasure that Joel Embiid is having a great and mostly normal <laughs> basketball career. He isn't someone that injuries made retire. He's going to be a star for many years to come, no matter the jersey. Fuck the Sixers. I only cheer for Embiid. Love you guys. See you in April. <laughs> That's nice. Good, yeah. good priorities. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Uh, I uh, will see you, everybody on April 11th. When's our next pod? Wednesday night? Yeah. We have a bunch of easy games now, right? Theoretically. Uh, it seems like we yeah. always lose the Hawks. So we have the Hawks tomorrow. And then Cavs and Knicks back to back Wednesday, Thursday. So that by the way, three straight wins, even with some bad Simmons news, would would be uh, at least some some comfort. I, I got a uh, I get these text messages when there are last minute tickets available, like standing room and releases from the team. And I just like to like to tell you that we've now become the team again. It's just it all feels so comfortable where they're advertising the other team to get us to go. The text message for tomorrow's game, standing room only, tic- only tickets. See Trey Young. Bypasses now for Sixers versus Hawks on 224. And they have not done that on any previous, like I'm scrolling through all the previous ones. And we're talking Clippers and Bucks and Thunder and Celtics. They don't talk about the other team's best player. But now it's see Trey. <laughs> oh man, it all feels so sad and comfortable at the same time. That's right. So that's exactly yep. right. I was right. I was just I was no. trying to. Yesterday was the first time with Ben's injury and just you know how how bad they got beat. It was the first time I I really tried to sit with the idea of like what if this team never wins a championship? Yeah, yeah, because it's possible now. Like it's Maybe it's it should be in your wheelhouse. But uh, well, what what did you think? Sad. Yeah. Sadly. Um. It's uh, you know it's uh, you know the the great dramatic irony of the process Sixers just never they ran Hinkie out of town and now. <laughs> Well, this is every why every little but, bit of move, every move got to them. Like, okay, justifiable, justifiable, justifiable. And now you look around and be like, we have, we're pretty hamstrung by the contracts and don't have many yeah. great picks or assets coming in. And uh, we have been an Embiid, which is what we had at the beginning. <laughs> so, kind of the same. It reminds me, like, so that. You know, we're going to have uh, Yaron Weitzman on in a couple of weeks who wrote Tanking to the Top. It, it's a, a good book, but it, just a, an awful title. 
I just, I hate using the word tanking, but he wrote the, the pro, uh, one of the 87 process books coming out. And it just, it does remind me that I've said a bunch of times, you cannot, to really write the book, I, I just don't think you can write the book yet. I, I think you need more of an ending than we have now. And Jesus, God forbid that this year is the ending of it. I, I don't think it is, but I, I do think to really put a bow on it, you needed a more sort of succinct ending. Yeah. Than they let, let me just say for, and I'll, and we can start saying this instead of, uh, instead of like face now, like do not trade either of Simmons or Embiid. Yeah, don't. That's, those aren't the guys to trade. I, you know, I, I said on, on a, a recent podcast, and I actually believe this, I think the one positive of the fucked up current Sixers is that Embiid and Simmons have looked at each other and gone, well, man, they fucked both of us. And I, I do think it has helped them to, 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 like, to not look at each other and look at other stuff and, and sort of find, um, find comfort and backing in each other rather than... Um, rather than my team, his team, at least for now. Trauma binds people together. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're on a, when I've been on a show that has been a shit show, you get very close with the people that you're in the trenches with. And so yeah. if this means that Simmons and Embiid uh, take that wine trip, maybe maybe Embiid, who also has back problems, him and, him and Simmons just like lay down, maybe like couples massage. And by the way, the back thing was... The, the back problems were were there for Embiid last night too. Yeah, for what oh, it's yeah, worth. So yeah. it. It's all good. It's all great, man. Very happy to yeah. be here. Loving it. Okay. Uh, well, it's great pod. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, so I say, are you down with TTP? And you say, don't trade Simmons or Embiid. Is that how it works? Sure. <laughs> are you down with TTP? Do not trade Simmons or Embiid.